Five American journalists gunned down and the nation asks why. Plus, is President Trump now trying to undo the EU? And no more moping. That's Barack Obama's message to Democrats right now. This is the State of America Tonight. How could you be angry at just a local newspaper like this? Our whole life has been shattered. A few days ago, I called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. That can be a trigger for somebody to enact harm. We're going to pick ourselves one great United States Supreme Court justice. By July 9th, the president wants to be able to have this done. It's very, very important that people understand what is at stake Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin, live in New York. Tour viewers watching around the world, this is State of America tonight. Yesterday was the deadliest day for American journalists since September 11th. They didn't die in some conflict far overseas. they not in some conflict zone where they wake up putting on a flak jacket every morning, not even in the midst of covering a natural disaster. They were in their newsroom in Annapolis, Maryland. You may have never been there, but think of an adorable and historic small town anywhere. And that is where they were sitting at their desks when a gunman burst in and opened fire. Five staff members of the small community newspaper, the Capital Gazette, were killed. Here's one of the journalists who survived. He shot through the front door. The glass shattered. He was going down our newsroom, starting from the front, and, uh, yeah, just, just continually shooting people. At some point when I was listening to him reload, it's, you know, are we all going to die? It's not necessarily, is he done? It's, is he not going to leave until everyone in here is dead? State officials say the suspect barricaded the back entrance of the paper's office so people could not escape and then began, in his words, systematically hunting and killing those inside. President Trump had this to say today about it. This attack shocked the conscience of our nation and filled our hearts with grief. Journalists, like all Americans, should be free from the fear of being violently attacked while doing their job. The president also had tweeted his thoughts and prayers, sending those to the victims. But for one journalist who also survived the attack, she said kind words like that are no longer enough. I appreciate the prayers. I was praying the entire time I was under that desk. I want your prayers, but I want something else. Facing the worst of worst nightmares, the Capitol Gazette was determined still to put out a paper today. Journalists who lived through the tragedy, not only reporting on the tragedy, but also reporting on the lives of their close colleagues that they had just lost. And inside, an intentional inside the paper, an intentionally blank opinion page today with the words, we are speechless. The gunman has a history with the paper, holding a grudge after unsuccessfully suing the paper for defamation following a harassment case that he had pled guilty to in back in 2012. He's now charged with five counts of murder, but investigators say they still don't know why he did it. The motivation of what of what triggered him to kill, they still don't know. But we do know it's been bad out there. Attacks on the media are at a fever pitch. It feels like not just from the fringe left, not just from the fringe right, but also from the White House in a way we haven't seen before. 
All I can say is it's totally fake news. It's just fake. We are fighting the fake news. It's fake, phony, fake. Some of the fake news said, I don't think Donald Trump wants to build the wall. Fake news, folks, fake news. That was just fake news. It's fake news. It's frankly disgusting the way the press is able to write whatever they want to write. A few days ago, I called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. They are the enemy of the people. Now, let's get real. While hateful rhetoric like all of that toward journalists may very well have nothing to do with what motivated this guy to kill, a former Secret Service agent has some thoughts on this. Any type of rhetoric, right? Any type of rhetoric whatsoever, you know, whether it comes from politicians, whether it comes from individuals or social groups, you know, that can be a trigger for somebody to enact harm. That's why words matter. That's why I always call it out. Yeah. You know, regardless of the political yeah. party, I'm, I'm apolitical. Yeah. I, I, I call balls and strikes as I see them. And when people start that, going down that path of, you know, uh, promoting language that can be misinterpreted, that's when I you know, intersect. All right. Turning now to the coming fight over President Trump's second pick for the Supreme Court. The president said he wants to replace outgoing Justice Anthony Kennedy as soon as possible. That's even sooner than many. And that may be even sooner than most thought CNN has now learned that the White House is hoping to announce a nominee by July 9th. That's the week after next. So what's the hurry? Well, one might think the midterm elections. That's at least one assumption. But the New York Times has some interesting reporting as well. There was an effort to let Kennedy know um, that there would be an effort to continue in his tradition to find somebody who he would be comfortable with to replace him. I don't think that there was an effort to push Kennedy. I don't even think that would have been well received. Mm -hmm. But I certainly think there was a message sent to, you know, this is going to be fine if you go ahead with this fast. That's part of why you want to see, you're seeing the White House want to move quickly on this. And And to help try to make his case, the president hosted several key senators at the White House last night. Among them, read uh, some key Republican votes, but most, maybe most notably right now, some red state Democrats who voted for Trump's first nominee to the court and maybe needed to help Republicans get the next one over the finish line. The top Republican in the Senate, he's suggesting they will do exactly that. Remember that Justice Gorsuch got at least three Senate Democrats who supported his confirmation. Those individuals are still in the Senate. Uh, We're not assuming this is just going to be a straight party line vote. Or at least that's what he is hoping happens again. It all sounds so civil right now, doesn't it? We'll just wait until the nominee's name is announced. And that's like essentially the starting bell in a boxing ring, if that's actually what that thing is called. Regardless, get hydrated, start stretching, because they're about to get ready to rumble. I'm not even kidding. And speaking of rumbles, but different kind, more rumblings, that the president is mad as hell and just doesn't want to take it anymore, at least when it comes to international alliances. His latest target, trade, once again. Many countries are calling, saying, let's negotiate. They were never doing that. They're saying, let's negotiate, please, we, please, we want to negotiate. Maybe, but there's really no evidence right now that the people he's we assume he's talking about, or clamoring, at least yet, to get back to the negotiating table. Still behind the scenes, the president is telling advisors that he now wants to withdraw from the World Trade Organization. That's according to Axios reporting. The same World Trade Organization that the United States helped create. So what is his Treasury Secretary saying about this one? 
This is an exaggeration. The president has been clear with us and with others. He has concerns about the WTO. He thinks there's aspects of it that are not fair. He thinks that China and others have used it to their own advantage. Exaggeration, though, however, is not necessarily a denial that the president really is pulling to pull the plug. So is this officially now something of a Trump doctrine? Fight your friends and backslap your adversaries from the G7 and what happened there to North Korea and what happened in Singapore from NATO to Russia. Now, WTO and NAFTA. Soon, President Trump is going to be completely out of acronyms for one and international alliances. And what then? Well, stand by on the current president while we go to the past president for a moment. President Obama giving Democrats something of a dose of tough love during a Beverly Hills fundraiser last night, hoping to spur them into action, it seems. The former president had this to say, in part, if you are one of those people who is watching cable news at your cocktail parties with your friends and and are saying civilization is collapsing and you are nervous and worried, but that it is not where that but that is not where you are putting all your time, energy, and money, then either you don't actually think civilization is collapsing or you are not pushing yourself hard enough and I would push harder. Just first note, don't watch cable news at cocktail parties. It's not good cocktail conversation. Secondly, though, essentially what he is saying to Democrats is stop moping and get off your backsides. Most noticeably absent from his remarks, though, is any mention of Donald or Trump. CNN's Dan Merica, who has this great reporting from this fundraiser, he was at the event. He explains why. He believes in the norms that have uh, held up inside the president's club. So these former sure. presidents who don't really go after each other, don't attack each other. I think he believes that that, that, that uh, friendship and that club needs to stay intact. He doesn't want to get into the day-to-day fray of the political arguments that are happening in Washington. But what he does want to do is urge his party to actually do something about what they're complaining about and not just sit back and 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 complain. Let's see what that does. And with all of this happening today, it is too easy to be distracted from another thing that is still happening. Over 2,000 immigrant children are still separated from their parents. We end this week with Congress still not passing anything on immigration, despite claims that they oh so want to. We shouldn't do anything on immigration until we have a plan to reunite uh, those children. And we end the week with the Trump administration still not being able to answer very simple questions about how they will reunite the families that have been separated, despite a federal judge ruling and ordering the administration that they need to have those families reunited, some within the next two weeks. We asked him a very basic question. How many children have we separated from their parents and have in our custody in our government? They said, we don't know. We don't know. What we do know is, is that we end the week with over 2,000 kids still separated from their parents. And despite the fact that every single person out there that has power to do something about it says that this is a horrible thing and we have to stop it and we have to get these families back together, we still do not know when they will be back together and when these kids are going to see their parents again. That's how we end this week. Coming up for us, we're still not done. Police say that they do not know why that gunman opened fire in a Maryland newsroom. No one knows if heated rhetoric against the media played a role at all. But will the deaths of five journalists cool the heated rhetoric down? Or is this just another day in America? The panel joins me next.
A journalist who survived yesterday's shooting describes his newsroom as a war zone. Police say a gunman killed five people at the Capitol Gazette newspaper in a targeted attack on Thursday. Today, President Trump, who has repeatedly called the press the enemy of the people, had a very different tune. He said that journalists should be able to work free from fear of violent attacks. The panel tonight, Steve Rogers is here. He's a member of President Trump's re-election advi- campaign advisory board. Van Jones is, of course, a CNN political commentator and host of The Van Jones Show. Rich Galen is a Republican strategist and publisher of Mullings.com. And Caitlin Huey Burns is here, national political reporter with Real Clear Politics. Guys, thank you for being here. Caitlin, what is your reflection on... This horrific event and where we are 24 hours later. Well, it's obviously horrific that journalists who are doing their jobs are gunned down in a place that's supposed to be the safest for them, which is a newsroom, a typical day in the newsroom. I don't think, you know, we don't know the motivations yet for this individual. And I think, you know, to draw direct comparisons from the president to the exact motivations of this person are just not founded, at least from my reporting. Mm -hmm. I think what is important, though, it does give us an opportunity to examine the way in which this president in particular has exacerbated tensions in this country. We've seen this over the past week, but also the way in which, you know, you can see time and time again over the course of the campaign, over the course of his presidency, frequently calling the press the enemy of the people. Um, Having covered a lot of campaign rallies myself, uh, you saw that reflected in some of the people that were at these rallies as well. So, you know, whether he takes this opportunity to tamp down on the rhetoric, I I don't anticipate that happening. But I think a lot of people are going to want to see something uh, get done here. Rich, you've been in this biz a long time, working with the media for a long time, working for a man with an adversarial relationship, a flamethrower in his own right. Um, Newt Gingrich. Yeah, Newt Gingrich. (laughs) (laughs) We'll choose another one on another day. Um, Is this new times, though, do you think, when it comes to... Have you ever seen anything like this moment? And I agree with Caitlin. I think it is... You cannot ascribe any connection between what happened yesterday and and rhetoric we hear. It is an opportunity, though, to talk about the rhetoric that we are listening to. Look, I came out of a small radio station. That's, That's where I started my career. Uh, in Marietta, Ohio, 45750. We had a little newspaper down the block. We worked together on a lot of stuff. There was no security. There was no nothing. I was just counting on my head. There were five levels of security for me to get in to this studio just now. But for a small newspaper in a place like Annapolis, which, as you properly described, is a, this, the quintessential small town yeah. in America, those, those people just went to work, and they, they didn't give security a second thought. But to your point exactly... I mean, I don't want to say that this is Trump's fault, because that would be wrong. But but I think there is something about the way that people are just standing there and yelling at each other. Not Van and I, because he's too big. But the, <laughs> but but I think if we could get away from that, and the, the president's the president, he's going to do what he wants. Okay. But I think that we need to just kind of settle back a little bit, take a deep breath, take the summer off, come back in the fall and see if we can do that. Van, the next time someone attacks attacks the press as the as the enemy of the people what should the country say what should someone with a big megaphone like a van jones or a steve rogers or a caitlin or a rich galen what should well, they I mean, say I, I, I we think, say I, I think people have been saying for a long time that it's, it's destructive and and it's beneath the office of the president i me just say a couple of things i started out in a very small town newspaper the jackson sun jackson tennessee 
you know, on, on television, the newsroom's always this big, bustling place with big personalities. In real life, they're like caffeinated libraries, you know? You're like the nerdiest people in the world working on their deadlines. There's, no, there's, there's, there's very little uh, there that would uh, be able to pose a threat to anybody often, you know? And the idea that a, a, some little place like that, somebody would come in with weapons, I mean, it's just so discordant and so shocking. I just feel so sad for the families. I don't know if the president's rhetoric is fueling this or not, but I shouldn't have to ask that question. I should not have to ask the question, is the president of the United States saying things that's putting journalists at risk? It, 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 it's a, it should never even cross the mind of an American citizen, and the fact that it does should be a message to the White House. What are you thinking? Right now, Steve. Well, I could tell you this, that uh, I truly believe that there is absolutely no evidence that the president's rhetoric has anything to do with this. Uh, even Maxine Waters, she came out with a statement this week, and I hear people on the right saying, well, she's trying to get mobs against People are responsible for their own actions. But what has been going through my mind for years, and you're the exception, by the way, with what I'm about to say. Journalism seems to be dying in this country. You turn on the TV, no matter what station it is, who's yelling at who, who's screaming at who, who's trying to make their point. And I've told you, and I'm not just saying this on the air to, to win any brandy points here. I've told you a hundred times I enjoy coming here because I could shake your hand when I leave. I could look at people who are on the opposing side. You give us time to talk, not to yell at each other. So I would say that the way that the media has gone no matter whether it's right or left, yeah. it really needs to reassess where they're headed. One of the things, Kate, that, that when Jim Acosta the other night, there was a woman right in front of the press area. He was at a rally, room. at a Trump rally. Yeah, that, that they couldn't find a chair. And he just gave, stood up and gave her his chair. And the people around him immediately warmed to him that had been kind of waving mm -hmm. some finger at him. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was traveling with Newt back in those days, when he was giving his speech, I, I would go out and talk to the protesters mm -hmm. and say, what do you, I'm going to be on a plane with them for two hours. What do you want me to say? And it just changed the nature yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. So when I said, if we could just start talking to each other instead of yelling at each talking other. At, talking to rather than at, at, which is totally missed. And I think social media exacerbates that because you can hide behind it. Kaylin, hold with me because we have a lot more to discuss. Coming up. Trump hell. That is how one European official describes the president's current worldview. How far will the president push his America first foreign policy? It's different from the past. Is it the fix that the country needs? The panel will weigh in on that next. It is certainly against our national security interests to see a weaker Europe and a weaker EU. Uh, it seems like President Trump is uh, using the message of Vladimir Putin of Russia to try to weaken the Western alliance, the transatlantic partnership. That makes absolutely no sense in regards to American national security interests. Democratic Senator Ben Cardin right there weighing in on reports that President Trump tried to talk French President Emmanuel Macron into leaving the EU, that during a private conversation in the Oval Office, in, well, in April. Another report says that the president suggested to aides that the U.S. should now exit the World Trade Organization. More examples of Trump breaking global norms appearing to shift traditional alliances. So what the heck does it mean? Let's decide it right now. Um, from NATO is as bad as NAFTA to Trump and Macron, you should leave the EU. I mean, Rich... So is this a Trump, Trump doctrine? Slap your allies, backslap your adversaries, 
pull away from international pacts and alliances that the U.S. has created and stood by for so long. If that's it, what does it mean? Well, here's what I think. I, and I, I, I've never been in the same room, as far as I know, with Donald Trump. But I think I've got a, some of it figured out. Everything is a, a, a negotiation for a zoning deal. <laughs> I mean, it just happens to be the world, but it's the same. It's same a large thing. zone. So he goes to Macron, and, and he, I bet he did this a million times as a developer. He goes to somebody and said, you know, forget about the rest of the, the zoning board. You make a deal with me. We'll take care of everything. We'll make sure that, every, that we'll, we'll build a beautiful, a beautiful hotel. You'll be a hero. I'll be a hero. Forget about those guys. <laughs> and that's the way he does everything. Make the case that it will work, though, Steve. Well, to your point, he's a businessman. He's not a politician. And I believe that at the end of the day, this will strengthen our alliances. But we'll always have strong alliances with Europe. Look, we spent a lot of blood on that territory there, a lot of our treasury. He wants it to be fair. He's been very consistent. All he's asking for is fairness. Let them pay their way. And I think at the end of the day, things are going to work out fine. The eternal optimist, but I really believe really he's going to go down that you road. You really are. I will come back one day and say, I told you so. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll welcome it if I'll it all works I'm, out. I hope I'm sitting here. Uh, <laughs> I, um, you know, I see it differently. Um, first of all, I would separate out the uh, World Trade Organization <clears throat> from the EU and NATO. That, that's, uh, even people on the left have trouble with the, with the WTO. True. In fact, even the, the protests, I think, in Seattle in 1999 were progressives saying the WTO is a bad idea. So let's just separate that out. But Europe, NATO, I mean, th- this has uh, been a mechanism for stability uh, that not only have we put blood and treasure, but a lot of you know, time and political capital into constructing because it's been our view, the enlightened self-interest of, of the United States, not just charity, but enlightened self-interest, that a stable, strong Europe is a, a force for good in the world, it's a force for democracy in the world, and that if you start pulling that apart, Europe pulled apart is one of the bloodiest places in human history. You don't want to start pulling that thing apart. It took a long time to put it together. And so I don't know if this is going to uh, give us more unity. I think it's going to get, give us more suspicion uh, from people in Europe about us as a long-term partner. And when, when we are not, not the stable partner, they look elsewhere. And I don't want them looking at China or looking at Russia or other places. Uh, I think there's way more risk than reward here. Is the, it, could it also be even more simple, Caitlin, than even what we're, how, how, yeah. how Rich sees it, which would yeah. be... If Obama did it, do the opposite. Well, I think, you know, we, 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 the president does not at least publicly talk or think about these things in the way that Van and Rich just described, which is uh, he doesn't seem to at least explain to the public, I don't want to get inside his head, but at least explain to the public the importance of alliances and what they mean for a secure world, especially against the backdrop of all of the global insecurities we're feeling. The WTO is, is, a, is an interesting example to me because you're hearing from Republican lawmakers today saying, wait a second, the WTO actually is, is a good thing for trade. They, they you know, 90 percent or whatever of the, the world's global trade market is involved. And we win a lot of those cases. That's at least what Republican arg- uh, lawmakers are arguing. Mm-hmm. But it, it, there is a question of who can actually get to the president to make him change his mind about his worldview. And his worldview is very transactional, not thinking of how that puzzle piece fits in the larger kind of puzzle piece. Unless the answer is Stephen Miller. That's the problem. <laughs> his chief policy advisor, who is the architect of many a thing. Do you think, um, as Steve was saying, our alliances will remain strong. Can you safely assume that now? I mean, if world order is just getting kind of 
all global norms are just kind of being blown up. Can you safely assume that those alliances, you know, our best friend, our best friend across the pond is always going to be our best friend across well, the I mean, pond? You, let, let's go to Canada and ask Prime Minister Trudeau <laughs> how, how he's feeling this week. About well, 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 that well, that well I think that's a very well, good think, point. Think about Trudeau and Macron. These are young leaders, right? They're trying to establish their own identities well, on a national stage well, as well. And, and Trump is helping they, them, and, and helping yeah. them in that regard, because yeah. it's, it's easy yeah. to just say options? you're China, wrong. Russia or the United States? Well, they, they let's see. Trump well, is using China well, and Russia. Yeah, and we've got things like this. If there's a cold President Trump's administration, it's 130 days until the midterm elections. That's State of America tonight. We'll see you back here next week. What'd you say, Rick? Continue. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.